0: Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the Live It Well podcast. We are your hosts, Chris and Jenny Gravy.
1: Life is an incredible gift, and it's over before we know it. How do we live it fully, live it intentionally, live it well?
0: Each week, we'll lean in and learn together from inspiring leaders, mentors, and friends who have embraced this mindset and are living it well. Leaders like John Eldridge. You've got to know your story. What was it I once dreamed of?
1: Suzanne Stabile. Once we can accept our difference, we can find what we hold in common.
0: And Aaron Nequist. We want to be a community that doesn't just believe things about Jesus, but learns how to rearrange our lives to put his words into practice for the sake of the world. Thanks again for joining us. Let's get started. On today's episode, we had the incredible honor of chatting with the president of Proverbs 31 Ministries, international speaker and New York Times best-selling author of over 20 books. Guys, I'm talking about Lisa Turkhurst.
1: Lisa might just be one of the bravest people we've encountered.
0: I've not heard a story like this in a really long time. Guys, Lisa shares with us literally, she uses the term how she licked the floor of hell. <laughs>
1: Because she walked through not just one of her greatest nightmares, but several of her greatest fears, clinging to the Lord, trusting him to bring her out on the other side. I'm just really inspired.
0: Yeah. No matter where you are on your journey, you're going to be inspired by this as well. I mean, she talks about how her marriage completely fell apart, how she battled through cancer and did a lot of it on her own.
1: Yeah. We talk with Lisa about the power of community and how to love someone well who's walking through a devastating heartache like this.
0: And we talk about how to find a fresh start when life really has not turned out the way that you'd planned. Yeah. And here's what we know. Whatever you may be walking through today, we know that this conversation is going to encourage and inspire you to keep fighting, keep going, and trusting God every single step of the way. I hope you guys are ready. Here we go. Here's Lisa. Lisa. All right. Well, Lisa, welcome to the show. We're so glad to have you with us.
2: Thank you so much. It's an honor to be with you.
0: All right. Well, we're going to dive right into this. I doubt there's anyone out there who, who doesn't know who you are. But are there, in case there's a couple <laughs> who don't know who you are and the impact you've made, tell us a little bit about who you are, overview, and, and what you do.
2: Um, well, I always like to tell people I really am just a pretty simple person. Um, I'm a wife and a mom of five kids and. Uh, then several of those are married. So then we've got grandkids and all of that. Um, I'm passionate about studying God's word and um, I've written some books and um, I love teaching and interacting with people right where they are and helping them understand God's word applies to every situation, no matter what they're facing. And then I do it all with great transparency, recognizing that because I am such a a normal person, (laughs) I go through normal hardships. And so that's probably why you guys are wanting to talk to me today.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So that being said, you talk about the books. You've written this book called It's Not Supposed to Be This Way. And Your life and your work has been such a blessing. It impacted so many people over 25 years, but a few years ago, you didn't just walk through like one crazy thing. You walked through several of your greatest nightmares and you've unpacked it all in this book. Kind of tell us what happened. What is this all about?
2: Yeah, so probably the hardest thing that I've ever faced in my entire life was my marriage of over 20 years um, started to unravel. And I didn't understand at the time why it was unraveling. We had checked all the boxes of all the stuff you're supposed to do to have a solid Christian marriage. And yet things were not working. And I didn't understand it. But then several years into these marriage struggles I couldn't understand, I came to find out that my husband was having an affair. And it was the most devastating thing that I have ever faced um, and and that I've ever found out. On top of that, I think some of the emotional turmoil from that devastation started to manifest itself in my body. And so I had a very severe situation where my colon twisted. And um, I almost died from that I was in intensive care for over 15 days had to have major surgery to remove most of my colon. And um, then still walking through trying to heal in my marriage. And because there were many factors as to what happened that led my husband to having an affair, it was a very long drawn out process. And so we had professional counselors that were helping us walk through this process and several pastors. And it was determined for the best interest of everybody involved that my husband and I separate. And so we were separated for over two years. And during that two year period, I received a breast cancer diagnosis and went through a major surgery, a double mastectomy, and then the reconstruction surgery and all of that while living alone, and um, <laughs> so <laughs> it was—it was a lot, you know. Oh and sometimes when I say those things, it just sounds like this awful list. But living the daily realities of those was um, was beyond what I can even describe, you know. So yeah, it's been a hard three years for sure.
1: Oh my goodness, I can't even imagine. I, I want to go back to. The first nightmare that you walked through, you know, encountering your husband, having an affair, were there clues along the way? Did you have any idea when you found out? Well, you know, I think that hindsight, looking back,
2: maybe I could say that there were, but you know, one of the beautiful things about living in a Christian marriage but also becomes one of the hardships of living in a Christian marriage when you walk through something like this is I always came back, like, even if I saw something that didn't make sense, I would always come back to the reality. No, I know who he is. I know how my husband is. He would never do this. And, you know, we, we were doing devotions. We were going to church. We were So, you know, yes, I think hindsight, I could look back and go, wow, I really shouldn't have justified that situation with all of the Christian evidence that this couldn't be happening. So hindsight, yes, there were clues, but in the midst of it all, um, I had kind of trained my brain to trust my husband to the highest degree, so... I didn't pick up on the clues that I probably would pick up on now.
0: So how how did God carry you through this? You know, this was your worst fear. You even reference in the book, licking the floor of hell. <laughs> how, how did you walk? I know it was day by day, but what was that process like for you? What was God doing in you and through you?
2: I remember so many mornings I would wake up and I had a group of close friends that walked this this journey with me. And I remember so many times I would wake up and I would call one of my friends and I would say, I've never hurt this bad. Like I, because the mornings were really hard on me. I would wake up and for just the briefest few seconds, I would forget you know, all the realities of what my life looked like now. And because I'd spent over 20 years being happily married and in a very secure, stable relationship, there really wasn't ever a morning I woke up and I didn't throw my arm over to his side of the bed and um, think he'd be there. And then all of a sudden, when I would fully wake up and realize he's not here, and then all of those Realities of my life would trickle into my consciousness. I would call my friends and just say I've never hurt this bad I've never hurt where every breath feels painful where like 60 seconds felt impossible You you don't realize how much pain someone can be in until they start measuring their life in seconds and you know, that's that's where I was it was excruciating beyond what I can describe, but how did God carry me through it that's a that's a pretty complicated question, and yet I can give you one simple activity that I made part of my everyday life. Um, the mornings were hard, just like I just described, but the evenings were even more difficult because I would be afraid, I would be alone, I'd be frustrated. You know, I remember sometimes, like at night, the dogs would run away, you know, or escape out of the electric fence, and I would think it's not supposed to be this way. Like I'm out here at 10 o'clock at night. I'm terrified. I'm trying to rescue my dogs. I'm muddy. I'm getting rained on. And like, this is supposed to be his job. Like why, why is my life, why does my life look like this? And, um, so a simple thing I would do at night is I would lay in my bed and I would say over and over and over with a lot of times tears streaming down my face. Um, God, I'm just going to keep it really basic here. I love you and you love me. God, I love you and you love me. God, I love you and you love me. And I would say it over and over and over until finally he would give me that sweet gift of sleep. And then, you know, I would sleep for a couple of hours and, um, and that became our daily routine. It sounds so simplistic and so basic, but... Those were the kinds of things that carried me through. I also learned in the morning when I would wake up to fill my house with praise music. Um, I'm not a very technological person. And so things like having an app on my phone to download music and speakers, that was just beyond me. Like I can (laughs) write a book, but I can't figure out how to get music in my house. Okay. (laughs) You know, People would ask me, Lisa, what can we do for you? And I had a list ready to go. I'm like, do you know how to download praise music on my phone? Come over and help me. Do you know how to get that praise music from my phone to a speaker? Do you know what speaker I need to buy? Come over and help me. I had a whole list of things. Do you know how to get dogs back into the fence after they've escaped? (laughs) Come over and help me. I promise it'll happen at 9.30 tonight. Be there. We'll meet in the mud in the backyard. You know what I'm saying? So I have a list of those things. But what I realized is, you know, people often want to over spiritualize what God does for you. When in reality, those people being Jesus with skin on, that was as much a part of me experiencing God through this as anything else. But I had to have that list of knowing how to help people so that I could watch the body of Christ come together. And, um, and I could experience God as much in those practical things as in the deeply spiritual things.
1: Oh, that's so good. Um, so people listening who are walking through something similar with someone they love, what are some things to say that can be helpful? And maybe what are some things you definitely don't want to say that can be unhelpful?
2: Well, probably the greatest thing I would say is remember this before you ever have a conversation with a friend walking through things. God does not want to be explained away. God doesn't want to be explained away. God wants to be invited in. So don't feel like you have to come and be the one with some profound answer or a whole list of Bible verses that explain why this is happening. The reality is on this side of eternity, we probably will never understand why this is happening. And I look at God's really his stern words to Job's friends about Job's friends wanted to draw straight lines from Job's obedience or what the friends felt with the lack of obedience. They wanted to know what did Job do to cause this? And so as a friend walking through someone else, um, helping them navigate treacherous waters of hardships, don't try to explain why this is happening. That's Mm -hmm. not important. Seek to meet a practical need they have, Um, weep with them when they weep, rejoice with them when they rejoice, offer to do things for them with no, no strings of expectation attached. And if you come across a verse or a resource that's been helpful to you, give that resource to them and not say, I think you need this, but rather say, hey, when I was going through a really difficult time, this helped me. If it helps you, great. And if it doesn't help you, throw it in the trash and we'll try again
1: tomorrow. That's
0: good. Love it. So good. All right. Well, this is a um, this is a very private thing that you made public. And I know that you talked about transparency and all that. What, what made you go public with this entire situation?
2: Well, I kept it. Private for eighteen months, wow. and so you know, I found about out about what was happening in early the beginning of two thousand sixteen. And I didn't go public with it until the summer of 2017. And a big part of that was because I didn't want to invite public opinion into my family's very private pain. But in June of 2017, it became very apparent that either the rumor mill was going to let people know what was happening, or I could get out in front of it and state it with truth. And so for me... Um, it wasn't necessarily that I was given a choice. It was a reality. Also at that point in June of 2017, it looked like Art and I would never reconcile because, um, the other woman had come back into the picture. And so at that point I felt it only fair to tell people that I may be headed for a divorce, not at all because I ever wanted that to be part of my life, but because I may be given no other choice. Um, So it was a very complicated situation. I will say though, I think any of us that are walking through things, because we have influence with other people, all of us at some point will have to make a decision on the level of transparency that we have with people. And so uh, this is what I would say really helped me. There's a big difference between privacy and secrecy. If you are feeling like you want to keep some things secret for the purpose of hiding, that's not healthy. But if you want to keep some things private for the purpose of healing, that is healthy. And so always remember there's a big difference between privacy and secrecy, but also recognize that the very nature of being a Christian There's a comfort that's built in when we are appropriately transparent, not with every detail, because we don't want to satisfy people's curiosity, but we do want to give people enough of our testimony where they learn that. If God's word could help us in our situation, maybe God's word could help them in their situation. So when I wrote my book, It's Not Supposed to Be This Way, my story, it's not an expose of what we walk through. It's not even a memoir recounting all the ins and outs of my experiences. But my story is there because it provides the backdrop of the teaching. And I think people will trust my teaching more when they understand the depth of pain that I've walked
0: through. Yeah. So good. But let me say this. I think part of when you went public with it, it actually had an outcome that kind of shifted in your husband, right?
2: Yes, it did. And that shocked me. And so a lot of people, uh, I wouldn't say a lot. I would say some people said to me, I can't believe you would go public with this. This will make it impossible for your husband to ever come home Mm -hmm. and to ever fully heal from this. But I knew that God was not only leading me to do this, but I knew I really didn't have a choice. I mean, it was the story was going to come out. Right. So, uh, regardless, the unfortunate nature of being uh, someone who has a more public life than other people, um, as much as people like to talk about me in the good times, people like to talk about me in the bad times too. You know, it's just an unfortunate yeah. reality of, of what I do. But if my husband were here on the interview today, maybe someday he can join us and we'll do this all over again, right? Um, But what he would say is what was the worst day of his life wound up being the best day of his life because that's the day that he went on his own and checked himself into treatment. He'd been to treatment many times before, but it was always me helping him get there, me filling out the forms. Um, That day, he checked himself in. He got serious about it, the weight of public opinion started to hold him accountable in a way that he'd never been held accountable before. And that was the day he started to fight for his family. And um, it was a very, very profound thing. And what he would say now is when he walks in the room, the hard thing about walking into a room of strangers is that everyone knows his story. But he would say the blessing is when he walks into a room, everyone knows his story. So he doesn't have to navigate who knows and who doesn't know. And he would say today now when he walks in, he's already decided I am not a victim of the weight of public opinion. I'm not the villain of all of this that happened. I am a redeemed man walking in victory. And so that's how he walks into every room that he walks into today with quite a story and a story I pray one day he'll have the chance to share.
0: So good. I love it. And I love his, his take on that. I want to know, you talk about being someone who has influence and, and you're kind of in the public's eye. You're leading this ministry and this is happening at the same time uh, from a leadership perspective, because I can imagine there had to have been a huge weight on you. There's some of this, no one knew what was going on. Talk to me about what that process was like for you in that season as leading a ministry and walking through this in your personal life.
2: Well, I think one of the blessings that. Proverbs 31 ministries is we have a list of family values that we hold near and dear and how we operate our ministry. And one of those family values is we freely give grace because we recognize we desperately need it. And so thank God I had already formed my organization over 25 years of not being afraid of the messy issues that people will face and always extending grace to people in hard situations because then I wound up being the one who needed it the most. And so my staff was already set up to receive this information and this devastation that wasn't just devastating to me. It was devastating to all of us. They were already set up to approach it with grace and discernment and wisdom. And so I'm very, very grateful for that. Um, also I think, um, my staff was also set up the infrastructure of Proverbs 31 ministries was set up to allow me to step away from the ministry and take a season of healing and an extended sabbatical so that I could put in the number of hours, not only sitting with my spiritual counsel and a, a group of pastors that you would all know their names. I mean, they're amazing men who lead major churches and yet they were completely available to me in this season, but not only spiritual counsel, but hours and hours and hours of therapy. If you guys knew how many hours of therapy I have been through, it is crazy. It's crazy. You've got your so, doctorate. you got
0: your doctorate in counseling now. I know.
2: I feel like I should get some kind of honorary uh, degree or something, but it was important to me to heal spiritually, to heal emotionally, to heal physically, and all of that took time. And so I'm grateful. And you know what's really amazing? Um, while I was gone on my sabbatical, Proverbs 31 Ministries, I think, grew more uh, with me being gone than me being there. So I'm not sure that...
0: <laughs> <Then> you, you <laughs> that did, just, no, it. just say you did it right. You set the whole thing up correctly. Right? You got you. You to take <laughs> yeah, credit I'm for that. I'm not sure
2: they even skipped a beat, you <laughs> oh, know? that's so great. And I'm very grateful for that. But I'm also grateful to be in a place where I'm healed and I'm stepping back into um, being able to lead the ministry, but leading through hard times is excruciatingly painful, and yet it's something we all have to learn to do. So my best advice is set up your organization, your ministry, your church, set it up
1: for the grace that you may eventually need yourself.
0: So good, That's love it, so thank you.
1: One last question. For somebody listening who's walking through a similar situation, they've just encountered some kind of nightmare or heartbreak that they're walking through, what advice would you give to them? How do they begin to pick up the pieces? Well, I think one of the most important
2: things to think about is sometimes there are broken pieces to pick up and glue back together. And then, you know, as Christians, we like to, think about how God's light can shine through our cracked places. And we all sing Kumbaya and celebrate and move on. And sometimes it really is that seamless of a process. But in my book, I wrote about how I looked around my life and there weren't broken pieces to pick up. My life was shattered to dust and you can't glue dust. So then what do you do? Right. Yeah. But one day I was writing an impact letter because one of our counselors Um, talked to me about the importance of not just forgiving Art for the offenses, but for forgiving him also for the impact that this had on me. You know, I was never a fearful person. And now all of a sudden I'm dealing with fear. I was never a suspicious person and now I'm having trust issues. So the impact of what this did to me was great. So I was writing this impact letter explaining all of that. And I wrote in the letter, my life has been reduced to dust and immediately I made a turn in the letter and I said, but as I study Genesis, right from the very beginning, I discovered that dust happens to be one of God's most favorite ingredients. And out of everything in the world he could have chosen, God chose dust to make his favorite creation, mankind. And he breathed into it and new life was there. And so I ended the impact letter by saying dust doesn't have to signify our end dust is often what must be present for the brand new to begin and i was as shocked by the way the letter unfolded as anyone but that letter then turned into a chapter which then turned into this book
0: wow So, so good
2: My advice to someone, like, how do you pick up the pieces? Well, number one, you have to discern if there are even pieces to pick up. Mm -hmm. And you may have to have a funeral for what you always thought your normal would look like. And it may have to be a marked moment where you acknowledge things will never be the same again. And sometimes that's the hardest point. But it's from that point that then you can say, but God, Mm -hmm. I know my God. And I know that he can bring brand new life even from
1: this. That's amazing.
0: So good. Such Such a a good good book. All right. Well, we're getting ready to wrap up. We like to kind of ask these last three rapid fire questions at the very end, and they go a little bit like this. What's a book that's changed your life? What's a habit that's changed your life? And what advice would you give to the younger you? So. What's okay, <laughs>
2: number one, a book that changed my life many years ago, Experiencing God by Henry Blockaby. Mm-hmm. It radically changed the way that I learned to look for God and to experience God. Number two, a habit that changed my life. Spend the first five minutes of every day getting into God's Word. Don't deviate from that. Let God's Word be the very first thing that I put in my mind, because what I put in my mind first is going to impact me the most every single day. So I don't have to understand it. I don't have to have a theology degree degree to do it. But just the activity of inserting God's Word into my mind and my heart has radically changed me. Okay, and what was the third one? What advice would you give to the younger you? The advice I would give to the younger me is don't let other people's opinions, um, bother you so much and don't let their accolades make you feel so awesome about yourself. Um, that I, I just really encourage my younger self to love people, but don't let your identity rise and fall on their thoughts.
0: Love it. So good. All right. Well, before we wrap, where can people find you, find the book, look you up, all that fun stuff.
2: Well, um, you can find me on Instagram or Facebook, any of the social media sites, just by looking up my name, which is complicated to spell.
0: <laughs> For sure.
2: Just, just look at L-Y-S-A and then Turker starts with a T. So you can find me that way. Um, certainly by going to Proverbs31.org. That's the ministry website. The book is available at Proverbs31 Ministries, but it's also available online or anywhere books are sold.
0: Love it. awesome. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your time here today. I know this is going to help so many people.
2: Thank you. It's an honor and a joy to be
1: with you guys. God bless you. Thank you.
0: What a powerful message. What a powerful story. I'm so glad that she has the courage to share.
1: Absolutely. Guys, thank you so much for listening. We hope that this episode was a blessing to you, and we'd love to hear from you. Take a minute to leave us a review on iTunes or come find us on social media. We love hearing how these conversations are speaking to you.
0: And we've got some good news. You can find all of the info for today's episode, all the books and links we mentioned on our show notes over to website letsliveitwell.com. All right guys, that is a wrap for this episode. Episode 44 is in the books. We're starting the year off strong. We're excited for all the different episodes you guys are going to, get to hear. We are so pumped for 2019 and so glad you're on this ride with us.
1: And let's close it out like we always do.
0: Remember, you only get one life. Live, Live it, it well. well.